and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate, Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm John McFarlane and today I'm joined by Adam Miller and Jules Boyle. How you doing? On the pod today, Liverpool were roundly stuffed 3-0 by Napoli at Murrayfield, but the real story was the reaction to the fixture being played at all. We ask, was it right that the tie was allowed to go ahead with Betfred Cup fixtures being played on the same day? Craig Levine scraped through his Betfred Cup group section, but was knocked off the top seed spot by Lowly East Fife. It's his time at Tynecastle coming to an end. And a quick look at the latest transfer moves for Ryan Kent, Scott McKenna, and of course, Celtics, Kieran Tierney. Well, it's fair to say that this fixture between Liverpool and Napoli caused a bit of a stushy online, Adam. I'm going to read you some of these comments. They speak for themselves pretty much, so I'll just cut to the chase. It's hard enough to attract fans to Scottish football as it is, especially when you have the old firm siphoning off fans from all over Scotland. But we should not be encouraging this. Children are snubbing Scottish football to become EPL fanboys. We're going to end up like Ireland. Another one said, if they want to play in Scotland, they should arrange to play a Scottish team or play in a tournament. A rejuvenated festival cup with Hibs, Hearts and two invitees would be the only tourist football I'd be happy to see up here. A meaningless, turgid, uncompetitive, money-making friendly, yuck, was much happier paying money yesterday for a competitive Cove versus Wraith game in the League Cup. Right. Agree? No. <laughs> no. I, I, I think, I, well, you described it well earlier on when we were talking about this upstairs. It's that kind of Scottish cringe mentality once again. I understand these arguments about, you know, it's a distraction from Betfred Cup action or whatever. Um, but I, I just think this we're getting wound up about a non-issue here like i i think the more of these games the better it's clearly bringing in a decent amount of money this um i think it's of course you're not gonna um you're not gonna see games like this every single week so i think if you have the occasional kind of glamorous friendly um in this case the champions league holders against one of the best teams in Serie A, I think that's a great way of getting kids into football they I think most kids are smart enough to realise if you take them to a Liverpool-Napoli game at the age of seven that it's not going to be Liverpool-Napoli every week but it might be their first chance to get that buzz of walking up the steps into an arena and unfortunately in this case it was Murrayfield it's not an actual football stadium but it's the same kind of principle you walk up those steps you hear an atmosphere you get to watch players kicking a ball about in that context and I think that there'll be plenty of kids who get taken to that game yesterday and that'll have given them the buzz the same way that most of us got that buzz whether it was in front of 50,000 or 500 it always applies and I think there'll always be a distraction whether it's um, you know if you if there's if your team's playing a bed a Betfred Cup game on the same day there's always going to be some kind of distraction whether it's a bigger match featuring bigger teams or family commitments or anything else people only have so many hours in their life that they can devote to their team and there'll always be some kind of distraction so if you went to a Betfred Cup game yesterday brilliant but I wouldn't begrudge the Liverpool Napoli game which I think I'm sure lots of people would have enjoyed and I've got nothing against either the game taking place or people choosing to go to it. Jules, I was convinced that there was a Scottish parochialism uh, run amok through a lot of these comments. I'm going to read you one that I think best sums that up. Please explain why this is a must-see game. Half the Liverpool team are still on holiday. Napoli? Well, who really gives two hoots about Napoli? 
Nothing more than a money-making exercise, an absolute fraud of a game. Yeah, two hoots. Two Napoli? Ho- who who are Napoli? Who gives two hoots? Hoots, man. Come on. Oh, Such a good thing Gaby's not on the show today. I think he would have combusted hearing probably, that. He's probably twitching somewhere. He kind of knows something's not right in the universe. Right? Napoli are essentially the East Fife of Italy. Yes, exactly. Who, care, who cares about Napoli? Yeah. I mean, also as well, Liverpool. I mean, you know, half the team are on holiday. Oh, God, that just leaves a bunch of losers. Oh, come on. It's just, it's that little parochial nonsense mentality. See if you're an East Fife fan or a Stennis Muir fan or whatever your team is, whoever it is, and you're in the Betfred Cup and you think oh we're in the Betfred Cup the game's on oh but Liverpool and Napoli are playing oh I'm going to that you're not that much in East Fife or Stennis Muir fan you know what I mean you go to watch your team if folk are going to go and see that they're going to go and see that saying it shouldn't be allowed in case it tempts people away from supporting a local team for a start I think you can let folk decide what they want to be going to for, for that one alone and also there's tempting folk away it's almost like, you know, as if people are Morons. It's a Faustian pact. It's a Faustian pact. <laughs> oh, you've been dangled away. It's bad enough with old firm, and now you've got Liverpool and Napoli. <coughs> it's like, you know, it's, it, these guys, man, honestly, they're just, they're the sort of guys that kind of like write in and complain that, you know, that certain teams don't get discussed enough in the media and then don't watch it anyway or don't do it. You know, it's just like, wind your neck in, man. It's an embarrassment. Isn't there a place for saying, I love the English Premier League and I love the Italian League and I love the Spanish League? But that doesn't diminish my love for Scottish football. Yeah, I'd speaking as someone who has regularly tweeted and written columns, taking the piss out of various sort of bombastic and arrogant gestures and tropes that run throughout the English Premier League. I can also, at the same time, really enjoy watching Liverpool. Right? I, I think you watched that Champions League run last season. There was a lot to appreciate about that Liverpool team. And uh, those nobodies, Napoli, happen to be one of the best teams in one of the best leagues in the world. Um, I think you can simultaneously enjoy two sets of world-class footballers, or very close, depending on... I've not seen the team sheets, but there must have still been some very good players out there. I think you can find a place to enjoy, in your head, to enjoy players like that and appreciate being able to see them at close quarters, whilst also not saying that this is somehow taking a dump on small teams playing in the Betfred Cup. You can enjoy, you can have a season ticket for, say, Ibrox or Celtic Park and also enjoy on a Saturday morning going down and watching your local team play in the park. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, so you can enjoy football on all sorts of different scales. And I don't think Liverpool versus Napoli once a year is any great threat to Scottish football. If anything, I think it's a bonus given the, the money and also the prestige. And as I said earlier, I think the the young play, the, the young fans who I think will have uh, possibly, in a lot of cases, gone to their first game yesterday. No, you're not allowed to. No, you're either or. It's obviously either Sorry. or. Like one Sorry, I forgot. Or another, that's forgot. it. No nuance. No nuance or nothing at all. Yeah. So let's look at the argument and, and, and assess it of these guys. Uh, and, and there's been a couple of columns as well with people looking at this in a bit of detail. I suppose the first point would be, Adam said there's a lot of money coming in from this fixture, and there is. But the argument that I've seen that I think is a decent argument is the problem with that is that the, all that money is going to Scottish rugby. Now, I understand, according to FIFA rules, Liverpool should have actually gone to the SFA first and organised this friendly through them. 
They didn't, and as such, there's going to be a compensation claim from the SFA landing on the door of Anfield about this game. Right, if all the money's going to rugby, then I completely resent everything I said before. Right, I wasn't aware of that part, so I don't care how enticing a friendly it is. If that money's going to rugby, then nah, never again. Well, that's that's the difference. Adam doesn't like to promote rugby. No, not particularly, no. no. Not an egg-chasing fan. I prefer my my pints to only have alcohol in them, and that's all I'll say about rugby. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's I think the the, the rugby lot, they're, they're very... Uh, very good at monetizing what they do. Um, they're very good at, as we've, you know, Adam's done the piece before. We've talked about a lot about how they treat their fans and things. Obviously, you know they're treated differently by the authorities and stuff like that as well. Um, bringing that in, there's, it's insane the fact that that wasn't somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? And it's in a rugby venue and they're getting the cash. It's I because Liverpool's pitch is just yeah. to clarify. It's because Liverpool's pitch is not ready for the new season, uh-huh, uh-huh. so they had to find, had somewhere, to find somewhere else. And, 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 and Murrayfield was the best place the for it. Play. But but listen, I'll just jump in there because you've 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 touched on a point there that I think I also saw a few people quite seriously being a little bit miffed over, which was the fact there were things like ScotRail were putting on extra carriages on the train. Something that they they don't do no, no, for, no, no. For, for Scottish <laughs> football fans. Um, it's like, well, Liverpool versus Napoli. It's this festival of football. We can all be happy and smiley and uh-huh. celebrate football. And we're going to have fan zones and we're going to do all this Yay. stuff. But that's not something they ever put on. No, no. They, they, they don't even do it for you know, the Edinburgh Festival. It's, no, they don't even put on a particular amazing amount of trains to get back to Glasgow. They don't want us there. They certainly don't want football fans trumping about the place. <laughs> Are you saying the, the Edinburgh <laughs> Festival doesn't want Glaswegians? There's I mean, as an Edinburgher, I would probably agree with you. Exactly. But I suspect they wouldn't say it publicly. No, they certainly wouldn't. But you nah, just look, come on. No, I think the transport rate links. This is a separate thing entirely. There's something I've noticed. Going you, you, you come to bars in Edinburgh and you ask for tenants. We don't, we don't drink tenants. No, I just put salt and sauce in it and fire it off. We drink yeah. craft beer. Yes, of course you do. Exactly. Yeah. Refined we, we tastes. We know we were not wanted, and also as well, you can drink in the street in Edinburgh as well, which is like it's like being on another planet. Um, you know what I mean? It freaks me out every time I do it. I'm like, oh. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's you know the fact that they put all that effort in it. And obviously, Liverpool and Napoli is quite a big prestige thing, but you would think. You know, they, they would never in a million years do that for football fans. Murrayfield is a different environment. Even like, if you look down through Murrayfield and Hamden at uh, gigs, um, at Hamden you queue for like 10 years to get a plastic bottle for a lager for a fiver. Murrayfield, you go in, you can walk out the stadium and buy a lovely pint, have a fag and walk back in. Do you know what I mean? The, the difference is chalk, the chalk and cheese. So it's obviously, for something like that, it's... it's uh, it's just a different world, and I think that's a, that is a very valid criticism because it's, it's you can see who, who the favouritism is. I th- I think that argument is nothing to do with whether or not Liverpool versus Napoli should take place. I no. think I think that's an argument about the vilification of football fans, yep. uh, the different treatment of football fans compared to rugby fans. Um, but I don't think anything there is related to whether the game itself should have taken place I think that's a wider issue about the way football fans are viewed in society um, it's also more to do with ScotRail than it is to do with the organisers of Liverpool versus Napoli. Are ScotRail not in our good books after the whole Shea Logan farago? Yeah it's, it's very up and down with ScotRail it just really, de- just really depends on what time I get into work that particular yeah, morning but well, I, uh, I had three chains cancelled to go to the pub the other night so they're in my bad books right, just, okay. just to expand this conversation out a little bit um, one of the topics that I like to touch on occasionally with friends when I'm talking about football is this brutal polarisation that's taking place between the haves and the have-nots that is happening across every league in the developed uh, world, essentially. Um, What we've had with Rangers and Celtic dominating the league has really become Celtic 
And that has been echoed if you look at uh, Juventus in Italy, you look at Real Madrid and Barcelona, obviously always the case in Spain, but uh, that, that seems to have, have happened everywhere. Um, are we getting to dangerous waters when it comes to youngsters going to that game and, as one of these guys said, potentially becoming a fan of Manchester City or a fan of Liverpool at the expense of, of Rangers or Celtic or Aberdeen or Hearts in the past, that kid from Gorgie would have been a Hearts fan, but now they might be a Manchester City fan or a Liverpool fan because of the way that polarisation is, is affecting our game. I think it comes down to what we were talking about before, that you've got room enough in your head. And I, and I think, don't get me wrong, I, everyone everyone's daft when they're a wee boy or girl, but you can, you're still smart enough to understand if you get taken to the Liverpool versus Napoli friendly that Liverpool aren't going to be playing in Edinburgh every week of the year. Hearts, Hibs and various other teams <coughs> will be. Um, and I, I, like most people I know, supported a Scottish team and had a soft spot for an English team when I was growing up. Um, and so you can... You know, in my, you know, when I was a kid, it was it would have been a case of you go along and watch your Scottish team, and you take the posters out of Match or Shoot magazine for your English team, mm. and the, the equivalent now, I guess, would be some kind of social media thing. But it would just you can have enough space, even in your developing child's brain, to in- admire Liverpool or whatever English Premier League team it is from afar and enjoy watching them in, in the Champions League on a Wednesday night or a super Sunday on a Sunday <laughs> but you can do that whilst going to watch your team at three o'clock on a Saturday um, and I, I don't I, I think we need to give people more credit particularly a lot of the parents who would have taken kids to game to that game yesterday I think a big part of it for them will have been this is how brilliant football can be um, are you coming with me to watch Hearts or Hibs in a couple of weeks time you know um, and we'll be doing this every week it might not be 65,000 fans but it's still going to be its own version of you know exciting football and I, I think kids are smart enough to accept Liverpool won't be playing in their backyard every week but there is a team they can watch every week I'm not going to tell you who Jules or Adam support us in terms of Scottish football but I will say that Jules is a big Liverpool fan and Adam is a Chelsea fan I don't think I've ever expressed anything about Chelsea Sorry, Millwall, and, I, and, I know, and I know what you're implying from it as well yeah. right we're going to move on and talk about Craig Levine um, we have run a poll on Football Scotland after having seen a lot of uh, discontent amongst Hart fans over the Betfred Cup performance of the Jambos. And in that poll, 67% do not still back Craig Levine as the Hearts manager with 1,651 taking part. Jules, uh, their results read like this from the Betfred Cup. They drew 1-1 with Dundee United. Um, they beat Cowdenbeath. They beat Stenhouse Muir. 2-0 and 2-1, so it was quite tight. And then they drew 1-1 with East Fife to be defeated on penalties, which meant East Fife topped the group. Um, Hearts second, Dundee United third, which I don't think their fans will be too happy with either. Now, Hearts obviously started the league last year superbly. They took 26 points for their first 10 games last season, but then they took 27 from the next 28. So it was a significant dip. We've started this season on a negative after the high of the cup final. 
is it time for Craig Levine to start reassessing his position? Um, I think it has been for a while. I think it just you were saying we, you know, that we. Um, metaphorical boy in Gorgie that would have grown up a Hearts fan. I think more an issue than the watching the, pre- the English Premiership is Craig Levine. Um, I think I, I, it's just... Tur- it's been a good laugh. It's been a good laugh for a, for, for a neutral or, or someone who's like or anyone who's not a neutral and doesn't like Hearts and there's quite a lot of people out there. It's good for that, but it's just... I mean, the Hearts fans must be beside themselves. Do you know what I mean? I was, I'd done a piece on it the other day when that, the, that result came in. I looked at the stats and I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was before the game they'd had something like 75 chances um, and converted like five of them or something, some insane amount of thing that are just absolutely toothless up front um, over, over the piece. Profligate. Yeah, profligate, profligate. There you go. They're, they're tragic is another word for it, do you know what I mean? It is, but again, it is that thing. We've discussed this on here before. Um, is he bulletproofed? I mean, what does he need to do to get, you know, uh, get his, you know, a chap at the door? Um, I think, yeah, I think, you know, obviously they've been without certain players. Again, they still are. <laughs> It's not good enough, though. It's not good enough for a team with Hearts' size and stature, with Hearts' ambitions. Um, Hearts are a team who, like, should always be top six, really, and should be a team who should be, you know, fighting for second, third, fourth. But they should be in that bracket all the time at that level. And it's just no. I mean, and there's there've been, you know, six two years in a row, no improvement really. They have had injuries, but a lot of other teams have injuries. Um, yeah, it's it's. I can't see what he can do. He doesn't seem to be have the the the, the wherewithal. He, he, deal with this situation that he's had for some time and I think yeah it's, he's, the clock is ticking on him Now it probably wouldn't be good advice to suggest that the, the, the Jambos should be looking to get rid of a manager they've already got rid of one manager Ian, Ian, Ian Cathro after a, a poor Betfred Cup performance and, yeah. and that set them up for a pretty turgid season and yeah. I would imagine if you get another manager coming in at this time it would do so again I suppose the larger question that Hearts fans might be wrestling with it, Anne Budge the owner of the club has said that Craig Levine will know when it's time for Craig Levine to go. So <laughs> yeah. how can they rely on her to come in and, and make a tough decision if it does need to be made, say, 10 games into the season? If that kind of form, um, where Hearts are only taking 27 points from 28 games, if that kind of form continues? I think it's a concerning comment if you're a Hearts fan and wondering, you know, will the big decisions be taken? I'm sure there was a quote doing the rounds a while ago where Anne Budge described Levine as bulletproof which would not give anyone any sort of peace of mind at a time like this. Um, at, at the same time, as you were sort of suggesting, the end of July, start of August, is not really an ideal time to be looking for a new manager because you're not going to give them enough time to make a stamp in the transfer window. You're, they're going to go into the season without having had enough time to really kind of impress their methods on a new group of players. They might, you know, by the time of the first fixture of the season, if, if, say, Levine went today, there's nowhere near enough time for a manager to come in before the weekend and, A, have the players familiar with their setup, their way of playing, uh, and also for that manager to have had a chance to work out what their best 11 is. So you're instantly basically writing off the first few games of the season by bringing a new manager in. Um, with Levine, I think... This time, maybe 11 months ago or so, Hearts had just come off that win against Celtic. They had a fantastic run at the start of the season and then they had horrendous luck with injuries. And you can't do anything about that bad luck. But where Levine failed was to kind of psychologically keep that mentality, that sort of winning mentality that they had in the first 10, 11 games of the season. And it did just feel like one massive slump. You could see in the cup final, you could see that there was a good Hearts team in there. And I I think Celtic would 
admit that they weren't brilliant in that cup final and that Hearts did give them a really good game. So there is still a very good Hearts team in there. I think the the first half of the season will be, or even the first ten games or so, be crucial for Levine to see if he could, if he has the ability still to motivate that team and get them playing to even even seventy five percent of what they were at the start of last season. Because there is a very good team in there, but uh, it's been a while since we've seen that. I yeah, I, th- I think Hearts miss Peter Haring and uh, obviously Stephen Naismith, who's still not yeah. signed for the club. Um, in a surprising development, Jules, that will surely be the death knell for Levine, Michael Stewart has criticised the Hearts boss <laughs> on BT Sport yesterday. And he said, it's not good enough, plain and simple. Um, for me, as long as Craig Levine is the manager, you're never going to get an attractive style of football and you're always going to underachieve because he's not a guy who inspires. Now, we know that there is significant history between these two, but the, the point that Michael's making there is probably a decent one, which is around the attractive style of football. You know, a lot of fans go to see it and Craig Levine likes a big up and at him direct approach. You can understand why they would be fed up with that, especially considering Robbie Nielsen, um, who was coach under Levine when he was director of football, um, had Hearts playing such terrific football in the early years of Anne Budgie's reign at the club. Yeah, I mean, obviously we all like to watch free-flowing attacking football. That's what it's all about. You, that's what you, you go, you pay your money, you go to enjoy it. But when it comes down to as a fan, you want to see winning football. And it doesn't really matter. It does matter, but it doesn't really. Do you know what I mean, as lot. See if he plays Jake uninspiring, clogging the football, and they still win. You know, they're still up the table. They're still winning. You you, you take that any day over over not winning, and and you know decisively beating an East Fife. Do you know what I mean? And then huffing and puffing and getting over the line and getting there and, and bigger teams. But he's not doing that. That's the problem. Um, I think as you know, that's obviously the the, the new season has started because Michael Stewart has slagged off Craig Levine, so we know it's all <laughs> that's it now that the flag is up, we're ready to roll. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I, he's right. I, I can't agree with him. I, Craig Levine's never played football that you've you've, you've came away going that. Look, you know, as you say, they can they can play a good game of football, but not good football. If you know what I mean, you know what I'm getting at. It's not it's not his style. He's not got that thing, and I don't think a lot of the time I question whether he, when he can motivate his team into doing these kind of things, do you know what I mean? And it's just, the more and more you see it, it just feels like a slow death of a thousand cuts for that team, I think. Mm. Well, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on that one as the season progresses. We're going to have a quick look at transfer moves now. We've got Ryan Kent, Scott McKenna and Kieran Taney all involved in what you would probably consider sagas. So we're going to start with Ryan Kent. Um, Jurgen Klopp was pretty adamant that uh, a loan move is not going to happen after the aforementioned game at Murrayfield Jewels. Where do you think this places Rangers' pursuit of the player right here, right now? Um, in the grubber, really, I would have to say. Um, if, if, he's, if he's not looking at a loan movie, he's looking at money for it, um, and the value they've put on him um, is quite extensive. Um, so I think it'd be really difficult, and I would say that for, for any team in Scotland, the value they've put on him is a lot of money. Um, the, the question of whether he's worth that amount of money, that's a different argument completely. But that is a lot. I think that would definitely, it would, you would have to roll you out for that, I think. I yeah, think. So, so, so Liverpool want 12 million, Adam. Yeah. They just are not going to pay 12 million. <laughs> no, I, 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 might we, I might well be proved wrong, but I think the only way Rangers stump up anything approaching a fee like that is if they sell either or both of Morelos and Tavernier in the next few days. Um, I could still see Morelos going in this window. Tavernier, I'm not so sure. 
Um, but I think it would have to be at least one of them getting sold for Rangers to even consider paying yeah. for Ryan Kent. Even then, I don't think Rangers would take fifteen million in for Morelos and, sit and spend twelve million on Tavernier. I don't think that would be good business for Rangers. Um, if you're talking seven million plus add-ons plus yep. a potential of a future sale, then that might be something that they could do. But for me, if you're talking that kind of that kind of money. No, and we, Ryan Kent did not deliver enough last season to justify that. Well, we, we've talked about it on the podcast before about Kent. The obviously, in terms of the talent and the excitement when he was on the ball, mm. he's a player that really endeared himself to the fans. But in terms of goals and assists, those stats are e- can easily be made up by the guys Gerrard's already brought in. So, really, all Rangers would be paying for that they don't already have is excitement, and obviously that that gets people into it. But I. Really, I just don't see it making financial sense for Rangers. No, Could be wrong. Not. I, th- I think it's one of these things that's, that's getting to this point. It's, it's become such a saga that there's a kind of almost obsession with the fans of getting them. We have to get them. We have to mm. get them. It's like one of those things when you're kind of coming for the boozer late at night on eBay and you're kind of overbidden and something and you don't realise, <laughs> actually, this isn't worth that. I'm just insane. I'm a bit steaming. And I'm just go. oh, no, I've spent like £95 and, you know, a yeah. seven inch. So I think it's like that. I don't the amount of money it's missed, even seven million, I mean that's a lot of money. Not to denigrate Rangers, seven million quid in add ons, that's a lot of dough. Do you know what I mean? A lot of money. And I just it's just not going to happen, do you know what I mean? I think I mean did Kent not do the, the, the post I saw with, uh, with the, the Prince thing and stuff like that? Do you know what I mean? With this talk that he wants to leave as well and he's said to fans in the street that he's hopefully coming up and stuff. It's been whipped into this total frenzy. And the thing is though, the closer it does get to the deadline for England the more likely I think it is to happen as a loan, despite what Jurgen Klopp says. Because if no one wants to take him, then what option do Liverpool have? Like, play him in the under-23s? Very bad. That's, that's not going to do, them, do, yeah. do his value or him any good. So it might be that you get to, and I think Gerard's already said this, he said, you know, I will wait till the last second of the last minute of the transfer window. Yes, and I think perhaps he's thinking... If Ryan Kent is not amenable to going anywhere else and he puts his foot down and says he's not going to move, then Liverpool are kind of pushed into a corner where they have to make that deal happen. Now, Liverpool might well turn around and say, we're not letting any of our players do that to us. But I think I think there's still a wee bit of uh, of give to go in this story yet. Let's, let's find out. He's going to snipe him then, as we were saying. <laughs> Like to take an eBay thing is going to wait to the last minute and just yes exactly exactly the, yeah. to take an eBay you've got to be careful when you say these things on the podcast I'm always uh, it's, it's me it's yeah. me what's this um, now <laughs> <laughs> right we're going to move on to the next transfer which is Scott McKenna QPR Nottingham Forest are interested in the big centre half three million pounds now we were talking about a deal worth six or seven million only six months or so ago in the January transfer window Adam. Are you surprised that um, it's not a bigger deal that we're talking about here? Yeah, I think Aberdeen fans would be underwhelmed if McKenna left for three million at this stage. Um, I don't know if it's just uh, just the way the market is at this point, but I feel like Aberdeen could command more for Scott McKenna. So I think fans would be disappointed with that. And given the length, I think he's got a few years left of his contract, Jules. Um, they're in no position where they have to sell him. So no position in hurry, yeah. If they don't get an offer they don't like, they can get rid of them. Exactly. Right, the last one is Kieran Tierney. Now, we talked about sagas. <laughs> this is surely, um, oh. yeah, this is like this, the Star Trek of transfer stories, really, isn't it? It's, it's, been, it's been never-ending. Um, now, Arsenal, I think, have, have had, I've played a blinder on this. They've said, we're skint. They've told all the journalists, we've only got 45 million. We're going to have to do all these structured deals to make this... This uh, this budget work, 
they've already spent over a hundred million. Yeah. Um, if this Pepe deal goes through, uh, have they just played a blinder and tried to negotiate with clubs, make it look like they don't quite have enough? I think to po- get better deals. Yeah, I think possibly they have, but then the, the key to playing a blinder is keep it up till the end. So if you know if you're saying you're totally skint and then you drop <laughs> seventy five million bangers on Pepe. You know, the people you've told are skinned are like, hang on a minute, get to the bar. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, so I possibly, um, and it's just it's just kind of, you know, the, the wangle in it. Um, apparently there's still money in reserve and they've still got that. So yeah, potentially there's been a, a, some sort of blinder played up to the point, but I think now their their cards are on the table basically. So that, that, that's gone. Adam, do you think you'll go? Yeah. Pretty emphatic. Emphatic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been seeing it all window. Okay, well that's all from us here at Football Scotland with, on, with that sad news for Celtic. Fa- Sorry. Sorry. Are we, are we out of time for the quiz? No, no, we're not. We've got enough time left. <laughs> to humiliate me once again. Yes. Sorry. Adam has some quiz questions here. We are awaiting them with bated breath. Okay, so I've been researching this piece all day. Um, I did an equivalent for Rangers last week, doing one in Celtic just now on players who have uh, who have played for Celtic, who have played for other teams since then, but have joined new clubs in this in this transfer window, while I was doing that, I ended up on Landry and Guemo, the former Celtic midfielders Wikipedia page. So, I'll ask both of you which of the following three we did something similar with Carlos Quare last week when uh, Gabby and Chris were on the pod with me. Um, which of these three facts is genuinely true and on in Guemo's Wikipedia page? So, number one, um, during his time at Celtic. Nguemo teamed up with teammate Koki Mizuno to launch a limited edition bottle of the Mexican distilled alcoholic beverage Mezcal. 300 bottles of Coquilandri Reserve were produced, each bearing the player's signatures and retailing at a price of $79. That's number one. Number two is Nguemo is a keen falconer and keeps a modest collection of bird of prey with his favourite, a white-tailed eagle named Mr. George after <laughs> George Ware. <laughs> And number three... <laughs> Please be true. Please be true. And number three, Nguema was briefly hospitalised in October 2013 with what was believed to be a minor heart attack, but later transpired to be a significantly less serious issue. Teammates at Bordeaux gave Nguema the nickname Le Remplisseur de Podcast, which translates as the man who cannot stop pumping. <laughs> so, so, which of the three is it? Is it the Mezcal, the George Weah Eagle... Or the man who cannot stop pumping Johnny. All right, well, I, I, I'm going to go for the Faulkner. You're just because it's so it, insanely cool, I would like it to be true. You want it, but okay. I, I really want that to be cool. Um, if I have to pick one, I'm going to go for the, 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 the less exciting um, booze one. But I would say I think they're all right. You think they're all right? Uh-huh. Okay. That would um, be a cheat. Well, say the first one, but I do suspect they're all right, but I'll go with the first one. With so the, you're, the going, you're going from Escal, Johnny. You're going for George Weah. Uh, Johnny, you're this week's winner. Um, <laughs> so uh, he does. He is a keen Faulkner and keeps a modest collection of bird of prey with his favourite, a white-tailed eagle named Mr. George after George Weah. Um, the bit about Nguemo having what was believed to be a minor heart attack but later transpired to be less serious that part was true um, but I made up the bit about him having the nickname Le Remplisseur de Podcast which doesn't translate as the man who cannot stop pumping it actually translates as the podcast filler (laughs) 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 Um, I also made up Coquilandry Reserve which is the booze Uh, the tiebreak question and I'll just open up to both of you just to shout it out uh, former Celtic, the former Celtic left back Edson Braffide has signed for an American team. 
So I need you to shout out which one of these is the correct name for this American team. Is it A, Austin Tasseltine, 2, Austin Bold, or A, 2, B, Austin Bold, or C, Austin, 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 Austin FC? Austin Bold. Austin, 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 Austin FC. It sounds like someone Jackie McNamara might come out with. <laughs> um, so let's not mention let's, that. Yeah, the, don't, don't go there. No, sorry. Um, so yeah, Jules, you clawed back some respectability there. Thank that the, the, it is Austin Bold. It's not Austin Tasseltine or Austin, 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 Austin FC. <laughs> so there you go. We are all real teams, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before four pm, just in time to make your work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website, on our social media channels, on Facebook and on Twitter at Football underscore Scott. To ask a question or to make a comment to us individually, you can contact me at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can contact Jules at... Captain underscore Howdy. And you can contact Adam, of course... Old Fun Facts 1. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.